We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, guys? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 359. We got a little bit of a different episode today because our boy Andrew is stuck in Chicago, couldn't get on to an airplane to get back to New York. He was there for a wedding, I believe. And um, he may have gotten kicked out, maybe arrested, because I think he got into an altercation at the desk with the airline. I heard he was yelling. There was some footage of it. I'm not sure if it's gotten out to the internet yet. But um, yeah, we're maybe going to get him back for Thursday. So filling in is uh, our friend and fellow Bronx Pinstripes crew member, team member, also host of the George's Box uh, podcast, JJ. What's up, JJ? I'm going to Wally Pip this mother right now. (laughs) Andrew's gone. Andrew, just move to Chicago. Your shit is taken. I know as soon as I sent you a message saying that Andrew was was not able to record today, because usually we figure it out, like one way or another, we figure it out, but there just weren't flights coming back. They they were literally stuck in Chicago, couldn't get back, he didn't have any uh, recording stuff, and we like to put out, you know, good audio for the people. We like to, to make sure that there's a quality product, and recording on a phone is just not usually an option for an hour worth of listening. So when you got the call, when we went to the bullpen, I could see the the shit eating grin on your face without even looking at you. Oh yeah, I was. Well, it was also because 
me and Andrew talk like we have like a group text, but you reached out to me separately. So I was like, <laughs> oh, this is a good one. I was like, I wonder if Andrew even knows. Uh, like no, I asked, I was like, maybe I was like, can I, can I tweet about this? Like, what am I allowed to do right now? Um, yeah, listen, anytime I can, I can mess with Andrew to start the week. That's a good week for me because, I, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of stuff, but just one thing to put in your head. You ever think Andrew could be maybe a double agent, like grew up in Rhode Island? Maybe he's a Red Sox fan. Maybe he's just here to sabotage you. Just think about that now. We'll talk about it at the end. Well, I mean, I know that's been in your head. I've, I've heard you. I've heard you talk about that. I've heard you build that narrative up a little bit. I mean, it's not that far off from the the point that I've I've. I need proof of that his father exists because he's always constantly talking about these text messages that his dad sends him and how angry he is and just like gets gets very much on the side of, of uh, you know, what was me? Got to look at the, the, the negative side of, of Yankee world. And I'm just not I'm not convinced that he actually exists. I think he just sends text <laughs> messages to himself and then shows them so that he can't you know, he doesn't have to shoulder all of the blame for being, uh, you know, all this all this built up pessimism and negativity. He's just got a burner like a drug dealer. Yeah, but he, himself. for some weird reason, uses his father. Like with that. Yeah, but he just he just texts himself. Yeah, yeah. With the burner as dad. Right. It's in his contact list as dad, which is, you know, that's a, a whole other, a whole other list of issues that that we could, I'm sure, diagnose because all I got to do is put my doctor's hat on and we could get into that one big time. But um, before, all I'm saying is, local business owner in Boston area has season tickets at Fenway Park would not surprise me. <laughs> A um, lot of things to talk about today. Obviously, we had the the whole Cleveland series this weekend. It was it was one that was highly anticipated for I think all of us. You know, just because it's you know when you play when you play the Orioles nineteen times in the first half. You know, leading up to uh, this this past weekend, um, and then most recently when you sweep them. You know, there's a lot to be desired as far as an opponent. And I think when you're talking about a playoff caliber team, and you know that the Yankees are a World Series contender, you want to see yourself tested. So I think there were a lot of uh, a lot of expectations coming into the show or coming into this this weekend with Cleveland. Um, so we'll get into all that. But before we do, do some some housekeeping. This is today is the day I, I mentioned in the last show on Friday. We're going to be ordering T-shirts. That was one of the deadlines. Um, but yeah, T-shirts are getting ordered for our final event, uh, August 31st. This is the the last regular season BP crew event. I've said this in the past too that um, everybody who has come to an event this year will be on the short list for emails for uh, for playoff tickets as well. Um, we've been talking with the Yankees, you know, constantly just making sure that we're on top of it. And when they are available to uh, to us, we will make them available to the people that have attended. So you will you will get an email about that. That's how it'll be distributed. Um, and then we'll kind of have like you know a system of priority, uh, basically first come first serve for people who have have. Um, come to these events for these playoff tickets. I'm not sure how many are going to be available, kind of a fluid situation, but this one is August 31st, Saturday. Uh, we normally we got a little breaking news on this one. Some, some really good stuff. T-shirts will be out. The, the theme of the shirt is uh, we are savages in the Bronx. I'm excited for this one because I feel like now that we've seen that the team is savages in the box, like this is, this is moved past that, right? Like, this is this is now a fan base thing. This is a team fan base thing. Like this is all of us moving forward towards a twenty eighth world championship. I think the whole idea of like just my guys are fucking savages in that box was such a throwaway line that Boone obviously didn't think, you know, was gonna go everywhere. But I feel like what he said there 
fit the mentality that the team has had all year. And maybe he wasn't, you know, he caught up in the moment. You're just kind of saying things. But I, I feel like the players kind of realized, like, yeah, we are. And, you know, with everything we've overcome and all the injuries, and I think it's gone to the fan base, too. It, it's really gone. It started with Boone. It got into the dugout. It got into the clubhouse. And now it's getting into the stands that just, like, this team's fighting because we just keep seeing every day a new guy's called up, a new guy's injured, and we're just fighting. You know, we're fighting to the death, essentially, and that's really where I get what I get from the savages thing is because these guys are just fighting until they can't anymore right. until they've got to be carted off. Well, that's, I mean, it goes along with what judge said early in the season, right? Like he got ahead of that with the whole backs against the wall narrative. And, and when you're talking about backs against the wall, treating, you know, so, all of your opponents as, as you know, your greatest opponent, like that's a good mentality. Like that is, that is a savage mentality going in there trying to uh, just beat every single person, no matter who they are. So no, no letdowns, but uh, go get your tickets if you haven't gotten them. Even though T-shirts are being ordered, we're still selling tickets probably for for the rest of the week. Um, you can definitely still get tickets. We're going to be ordering a bunch of shirts. So if you get them from this point on, uh, we'll most likely just deliver the shirts to you at the pregame location, which is changed. We are going to be at Billy's. Why are we going to be at Billy's? Well, uh, the reason we're going to be at Billy's is because we are bringing on a partner for this one. We are teaming up with Blue Point Brewing which uh, they, they are becoming uh, good friends of ours. And Blue Point is actually going to be, everybody knows them from the Pinstripe Pilsner in the stadium. Well, they're now selling that, that can, that 12-ounce can outside the stadium so you can actually get it in the tri-state area uh, uh, down into Philly as well. And they are going to be giving every person who comes to the event two drink tickets. So when now at Billy's, uh, for the pregame, you're getting two drink tickets for two Pinstripe Pilsners, uh, when you uh, come, we're going to figure out the system. Probably you'll see us at a uh, at like a check-in desk type thing. We'll give you the, the ticket so that you can get your beers. And uh, yeah, we'll enjoy some some uh, Pinstripe Pilsner before the game and then go into the game. Probably drink eight or eight or nine more of them. That's like a, that's like a $20 value, probably. <clears throat> it's a huge value. Assume. Yeah. It's a huge value. So now, you're paying, now you're paying $49. You're getting a $25 t-shirt. So you take that. Wow, you're paying like 20-something bucks to get a ticket to the game. But then that comes with a beer and a hot dog, right? That comes with a beer and a hot dog. You're essentially so, getting three beers, a hot dog, a T-shirt, and a really good seat in 205, pre-gaming with, the, with, with a whole bunch of Yankees fans wearing We Are Savages shirts. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, being the last one, like this is, uh, you need to uh, clear the weekend. Labor Day weekend, people are going to be cutting loose. It's going to be fun. And, uh, and I'm throwing Andrew a bachelor party at this event. I love it. Breaking news. Breaking news. This is Angela, Andrew's Bronx Pinstripes bachelor party because he did whatever he did to miss an event uh, in the woods of Vermont with a bunch of guys. But this is Andrew's Bronx Pinstripes event. So we'll probably just get him too drunk. I mean, that's okay. The, uh, yeah. So, so go, on, go on to the fan shop, get your tickets, um, pick up a shirt while you're there, pick up a Savage's hat while you're there. It'll go perfectly with the, uh, with the T-shirt. All right, so there's a bunch of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the, the, the Cleveland series, but talking like broad strokes, Yankees have right now best record in baseball. They're a game over the Dodgers. That's going to be a huge series. We'll talk about that, the upcoming West Coast trip. Um, because it's going to be, it's going to have some pretty major implications. But Houston's also been in kind of a tailspin, and, and the Yankees, you know, took advantage of it while they were uh, while they were destroying Baltimore, and then you know won two games at Cleveland. But they're up. Uh, I don't remember if this was if if this was 
updated after the game or before Houston's game yesterday, but three and a half, four games. Uh, I think it's three and a half right now up over Houston. So that's a big deal. And when you're when you're talking about you know home field advantage, being at Yankee Stadium, li- or two, two, uh, 2017, we saw what how important it was for the Yankees to be at home uh, and not at Houston. Yeah, um, it's kind of, it's weird because when you're up, you know, pretty much double digits in the division, it's and you're playing. You have that stretch where you're playing Baltimore. You're just playing these games that don't matter. It's easy to lose track of like the grand scheme of things. And when you're going against a Houston, you don't know if Garrett Cole's going to be healthy or not, or what other injuries could happen along the way. You don't know what team you're going to have. You don't know what team you're going to face. Uh, and like you said, 2017, where it's just. The stadium we showed in 2017, the ability the stadium has to be rocking like it was in the old stadium. So it, it does become important. It's very easy to just kind of gloss over these games and say, oh, well, we play the Indians and we got a split. And yeah, they're a playoff team, but you know, we, we're not starting CC in the playoffs. Um, but all these games really do matter throughout the season. Uh, you know, one thing I said uh, going in the second half was I could just see for some reason, and when we all made our predictions, I made the bold prediction that the Yankees won't play 162 games because they had had they've had so many rainouts uh, and the schedule's tough with double headers. That um, so you said they, they you think they would just like because they'll be, be up like so game. far they're just not going to play again. I, I I thought like we almost lost a game in this Baltimore series to to rain, and it'd be like all right, well, are they even going to play that game? Like. Do you bring Baltimore back to New York to play a game if it doesn't really matter? Has that happened before? Yeah, 161. Yeah, that's happened. Yeah. But it's normally like two fourth place teams. Like, oh, like, you know, the Reds and whoever just like didn't play. Right. You know, so. With the amount of playoff I, games or playoff teams now, too, like, who knows? The, the, there's a lot of implications on every, almost every game because of that. But yeah, if the Yankees were up. I just had a feeling with Baltimore. Baltimore was, was the one I was really banking on. For some reason, I mean that's yeah. a be- that's a beautiful segue. We could let's 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 move right into um, why why I'm a little bit happy that Andrew's not here right now, and and that is because because he sucks. Well, that's your you, you, <laughs> you definitely you and Andrew have your thing, but one the one thing I will I will say is that last week when the when my prediction of, of Baltimore going seventeen and two and Andrew consistently trying to fight the fact that I actually said that before the season, which I did, he knows that. He won't admit that, but he knows that. And uh, so when I get that 17-2 and two right, they, they, finally, they finally close that out. Uh, Such a bold prediction. Huge prediction. Like when you called back to that and like reminded everyone, I was just like, well, no way. Oh, shit, he did. Because 17 and two. How, can you look at your, how can you look in the mirror and look at the roster on any given day? I don't care who's in there and say that this team should win when you're looking at the Orioles. It's impossible. Oh, I mean, we should be seven. We probably should be nineteen and zero. They should be nineteen and zero. Historically, we have a tough time in Baltimore, which we obviously didn't this year. No, yeah, it was a different team. Um, but the other, the other big one was uh, DJ LeMahieu hitting thirty home runs or uh, twenty home runs. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, twenty home runs. He had never. I think fifteen was his career high in Colorado. Everybody's looking at Colorado. Fifteen, the air. Like, how is he going to exceed that? Well, if you look at the scouting report against DJ with DJ LeMahieu and the reason why the Yankees, one of the big reasons why they got him is he could go to the opposite field beautifully. We knew that. Like, that was one of the reasons. I see this. I see the short porch, which every broadcast will remind you that it goes both ways. They can take some. You can, uh, you can get some home runs, but the uh, opponents can also hit them over that. Well, DJ LeMahieu has a lot of home games. 
And DJ LeMahieu was going to play a lot of games because he's so flexible in the field that they were going to get him at bats. 20 home runs. And then blows past it with 21 the next day. Uh, so I um, correct again with number 20. Andrew basically laughed and said I had no chance at that. And now well, you, have a bet on, you have a bet on 25. And now my sights are set on Frank, who's also a uh, uh, sometimes writer on the, web, on the website, who again laughed in my face at 25. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit, you know, I, I had some beers before I made that one, and I probably would not have made the 25 bet sober. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were actually there for that bet when we made that bet. Yeah, so this is so first this is the first time we've done a podcast. Like I think I've been a guest on this show with you on, but I've filled in for you when you've like traveled or had a kid or pretty much all your major life events I step in for you. Yeah. Um so But yeah, this is the first I, time that we've recorded an actual show together. We 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 both kind of yeah. realized that before we started uh hit and record. And we had really only met one time like in passing at Yankee Stadium. So I fly down to spring training. Where I was already in Florida, but I come. Aaron Judge's debut. House. Yes, yeah, that's when we met. Yeah, but so I go to spring training, and there's a house, and I go and I drop off my bags, and you tell me you're at a bar, and I show up, and it's you, this guy Tim, who now does all the editing for Stadium Meets, but we didn't we didn't know him really at the time, and Frank Marco, who people will see. There's going to be a video on the site of me and him went to a game probably this week. Um, and he was in Stadium Meets a couple weeks ago. And he was just, you guys were trashed. Uh, you had been out drinking in the sun all day, going to baseball games. And he, I was like, oh, this guy's a nerd. Because he was just using all his nerd talk about, you know, war and B-war and F-war and all the different wars. And you just threw out there, DJ LeMayhew is going to hit 25 home runs. And Frank jumped on that. And he bet you a playoff ticket and you agreed to it. I think I, I actually think I set the terms I think yeah you might have said the 20 the 25 and he he jumped all over it I mean the playoff ticket like the, I think I put yeah. up a playoff ticket on it yeah you set the playoff ticket and he just started going into all these numbers where you were you were trash and you were just looking at him with that drunk eye of just like no <laughs> I know trust me like you knew something that his math wasn't going to get to and it was just drunken wisdom. And, I mean, I don't see how he doesn't hit 25. I mean, at this point, he has to. Uh, you know, so I, I have – this has been a, uh, a big year for, for me with the numbers and looking at all the analytics. Like, I, I was never really into them. We've definitely talked about it in the past. But Andrew does a really good job blending them into the show now, too, so that we talk about kind of all aspects of it. But, I mean, relying – when I rely on, on my, my gut, like, I feel like that's when – I'm at my best as far as knowing baseball. I, I, I like to look at the numbers for, for uh, you know, supporting or, or not. Um, I think they're important. I think they're part of today's game. But, yeah, I'm like, there's, there's just certain things that like, you can look at and like, identify. And that was one of them. 25 was a stretch. Uh, 20, it's cause, I thought I had a lot. It's because you're – like at the time, Frank was still 29. He just turned 30. Yeah. And I think it's – you know, He's just not in that age of like I can still eye test it. Like we're at the age of like we still eye test baseball players. Yeah. We're not I don't need a calculator to tell you if a guy's good. No, it's true cuz we didn't have that, right? Like we had the back of a baseball card which we we read after the season happened. So that yeah. was that was in the box scores and wherever you get it, but but no, all the analytics were out there. So yeah, you have to you look at the eye test. You look at the uh like how a guy 
um, just acts. I don't know. Like there's a, there's a, there's just a way you can tell a certain thing about a, a particular player and how. Like I think uh, I've said this in the past. Like I think if the DJ LeMahieu um, said that he could play shortstop, he'd probably be one of the best shortstops on the team too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he could play the outfield. I've said oh, yeah. we're only an injury away from him playing corner outfield because, you know, anything to not call Clint Frazier up. I have a question for you, though. <laughs> so when he hits 25 home runs, yeah. as you mentioned, through the events and, like, you know, access because of, like, you know, who Bronx Pinstripe says, you'll have access to playoff tickets. Right. Now, when Frank owes you a playoff ticket, yeah. are you going to let him just – Venmo you for what a, a face value ticket that you get is, or are you going to make him go out there and either get online and like get a ticket or is that pay, still a thing? Know? Do people still get online? I don't think they well, do. Not, I mean like online on like the internet, oh, like, online. you know, Oh, like tickets go on sale at 10 AM. If you've got a MasterCard on Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, if you don't like, are you going to make him try to jump through those hoops? Like I wish, I wish the standing online was still a thing. Like I wish like the tower go records, get a wristband. tower yeah. records, Dave Matthews, 10 AM, like camping out the night before, like think, people still do, still do that for uh best buy on like uh on uh, Black Black Friday, Black Friday. which is yeah. which is just lun- they're lunatics, um, but I used to do that for concert tickets, and I did do it for Yankee Stadium or Yankees uh, World Series tickets in '96. So I do wish that was a thing, so that you could really earn that ticket. I feel like the Mastercard thing is too much of a. It's too easy, and he's a Southwest guy, so probably doesn't have that. He's probably got to yeah. He's probably got to discover yeah, or, or just a like diners a club yeah, yeah. So you know, one of he the, also doesn't have a lot of follow through in him. Like you say, he'd be like, oh well, I guess I didn't get it. So just exactly, get it and then your like, guy. and like now what? Now I don't have a playoff ticket. No, no. no. So yeah. I will probably make sure that I secure that ticket so it's there, and and then um, and then yeah, he'll he'll have to pay me, and I'll probably mark it up for for whatever the effort that I, I have think to do. you should. Yeah, there should uh, be a convenience fee. It's inconvenient for you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, they'll, they'll, the the question for me is that is that game that he's gonna owe? Is that gonna be you know with the group tickets, or am I going out of my way to get you know some good seats and we're gonna go see a playoff game just me and Frank? Oh, well, that was gonna be my other thing because this could like, be a good follow up for video two. Frank goes to the playoffs. Well, my other thing was going to be if you have to go to this game with Frank, like, did you really win anything? Also, also <laughs> a valid point. It's 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 uh it's it's up there for discussion. If you got Frank just like a puppy, like yeah, where we're staying. I I got points for a hotel. I fly Southwest in. My girlfriend flies free. All right, guys, I want to talk about sleep number. When is the last time you had a great night's sleep? I know a lot of us are very stubborn about our mattresses. But we will do just about anything to sleep better. So maybe it's time for you to check out a new mattress. If you aren't getting the quality of sleep that you deserve, I definitely recommend you get a sleep number bed. Andrew and I have definitely both used the pillows that they have sent us. Um, you can change the pillows for firmness. There's three different inserts that you can use. I like going down to just one so that it's nice and soft. I know other people like the use three of them inside the pillow so that they get that firm, uh, steady pillow rest with the head. I'm, I'm not that guy, uh, but you can do whatever you want. The mattresses, you can go firm, you can go soft, however you want it. However, your significant other wants it. You can make sure that each side adjusts just for you. Um, the sleep number 360 smart bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts so that you effortlessly are comfortable all night long. 
Will you love it? Just ask JD Power. Sleep Number has been ranked number one in customer satisfaction with their mattresses uh, for the 2018 award information. Go to jdpower.com. You got to come into the biggest sale of the year for Sleep Number for a limited time. Save 50% on all Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart beds. You'll find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. All right, JJ, enough about sleep because I don't get enough of it. <laughs> Two-year-old absolutely is uh, puts a stifling into that. But with the West Coast trip coming up, I don't expect to sleep at all because I'm stupid. I stay up way too late in these games. There's something wrong with me, um, but I just I can't help it. Uh, There's no bigger lie than... No, nah, I'm not even going to watch these games. And then next thing you know, it's like 1.30 in the morning. And you're just MFing yourself. That's my problem is I get too far into it. And then I look at the clock and it's, and it's mad late. But I'm already there. And it's, you know, like the seventh, sixth or seventh inning. I'm like, well, what's the point now? I got to stay awake. And then usually those next two to three innings are by far the longest. Forever. Yeah. They take forever. Before we get out there, though, obviously the Cleveland series, we got to talk about that. The It started off a little rocky. That was one of the uh, one of the most disappointing games, I think, of the season to, to start a series because, you know, I don't know, for me it was, you know, I was really looking forward to this series, obviously with Cleveland coming into town because they were a, a formidable opponent. Um, when you go out there with Chad Green as the opener and he just shits the bed, and then it just it steamrolls downhill from there. Uh, was was a disappointing way to start the series, but they definitely bounced back. Uh, but that first game was a disappointment. And the opener, and I know we've had a lot of success with the opener. Chad Green's been really good. The Yankees have been good. They've scored a lot of runs uh, for, for this. We've seen Nestor Cortez go out there and pitch well uh, throughout the season and has you know helped that those, those starts go well for the Yankees. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a disappointment starting the series. I mean, I... Obviously, you don't want to go out there and get blown out 19-5. to You don't want to see the game be over in the first inning. But I think for what we do, and it's a lot of engaging with like Yankees Twitter and, and a lot of Yankee fans, I just, as I saw that happening, I was just laughing because I was like, I bet Twitter is going nuts. Um, and it did, it stinks that it happened with Chad Green out there as the opener because it's worked so well. That it's just like, well, that's been in a season of really no constants. That's been the one constant we've had is that, well, if we throw this opener out there that I'm sure pretty much all of us were probably against because Tampa started it and we hate everything they do. It was just like, ah, well, we've got this. We've got this thing that it works. Like if we I think in the back of my head, it was like, well, if we're facing an elimination game in the playoffs, like maybe Chad Green's the answer. <laughs> I mean, I never think that the, an opener is ever the answer for the playoffs for me. Like, I, so I, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this because, you know, Andrew and I have talked about this, uh, it seems like at nauseam throughout the season because it's a thing now. You know, like I, I was dreading it being a thing. Like I really – Tampa has also the, the history of starting these trends that, that the rest of the league picks up. You know, the, um, the shift, the opener. Like they just – when Madden was going weird, the league – was like, oh, it's, it's working for them. Let's go weird. Then Kevin Cash did the opener. It was working for them. So now people are, are starting to toy around with it. We got Jack Curry talking about a super opener. Like, I, you know, let's, let's all relax on the whole opener thing. Um, 
and I understand it's one bad start and I'm not, I, I didn't actually use that as my podium to stand up and say, oh, the opener's stupid like a lot of people did on Twitter because it has worked. Like you can't dispute that. It's worked. It's just not a good fit for me when you're looking at a playoff series because you can't just call up somebody the next day when you burn a guy, you have a set playoff roster, set bullpen arms, and you're going into that knowing. So how do you plan when you have an opener that can only go one inning, two innings tops, and then, you know, that's if things go well. And then from there, you're just relying on other guys, a lot of other guys doing well. So I don't know. It's, the probabilities are low for me. Well, I think there can be a different – I think there can be kind of a workaround. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it as we get into some of the other pitchers like Paxton. But I think there's a way where you can just kind of eliminate the first inning and have like a starter coming after. I think Tampa has mixed that in where they're saying – if I get a guy who comes in who, whether it's he throws hard or whatever it is, his reliever specialty, he can go and get those first three guys out. Then I can go put my starter in. And, yeah, maybe it throws off his, you know, his schedule because, you know, he 45 minutes before the game has whatever routine. But, I mean, I look at it from the, the Terry Francona idea of you just you need to get 27 outs. You need 27 outs, and you need to score one more run than the other team. And if you just use your use your best pitchers whenever you can. And I think if the Yankees had a dominant rotation, uh, we obviously wouldn't probably even be talking about this, but I'd still be, ag- I'd be against the opener. But looking at what the Yankees rotation is and how we're going to try to piece things together and bring in, you know, Severino, and we say super opener, but that's really just a starter on a pitch limit. Yeah, why do we have to call it that? Jack Curry was talking about... Uh, when when they were talking about Severino and and uh, um, Loisaga, they're, they're talking about these guys who you know are are starters. They, that's that's what they've become in the Yankee system. But because they're coming back from injury, they're maybe they're a four inning guy, maybe they're a five inning guy and a pitch limit or whatever. So they're trying to label it the super opener, which I, I I'm sitting there rolling my eyes like, you know what what are we doing here? Why why do we have to call it something else? They're a starting pitcher. Because honestly, four innings is not that different than like a, a regular starting pitcher anyway. You know, we're all happy if they get to five and right. So like, it's really just a shorter start for a starter, is it not? I'm. I mean, is CC is CC a super opener? No, because, he's a starting pitcher. But like, but that's the thing. Know, like, why do we, we have to all call know it that? we're only getting? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's the same thing because there is no world where CC Sabathia is out there for nine innings. I don't even think if he was cruising through a game, you keep him out there for nine innings. So he's only, we know he's only going like four innings. So it's kind of the same thing. So I think, you know, calling it a, a super opener or, you know, if they're going to figure out some way where it's like Sevy and Domingo kind of splitting starts, um, I, I still, I think the opener can be useful. I think you need to have. The way the Yankee season has gone, there is no playbook for what they're doing. Right. And the way Aaron Boone has kind of kept these guys motivated and Larry Rothschild's done nothing has been really amazing to be where we are. That, hey, if we got to go opener for, you know, the beginning, you know, of a playoff game, I'm kind of I'm kind of fine with it at this point because I trust Tanaka to go out there, but Tanaka to go out there and shit the bed. He's done it a ton of times before. I don't really trust Paxson right now. I don't think anyone trusts Hap. So then it's Domingo, who has no playoff experience. Like, really, what other options do we have so, besides trying some trick? Well, so that's the thing. Like, I, the opener to me, so 
you know, kind of going off of that, Cashin was talking with, they were, he was being asked a flurry of questions because all these guys are, 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 you know, on the cusp of coming back. And Cashman was quoted in saying that, you know, the opener in the playoffs is a possibility. It's something they'll consider. And, and I mean, that was the quote among the, the rest of the quote saying, we'll pretty much consider anything at that point. Because like you said, there has been no, no playbook. There's no binder this year because everything has been out the window with all these injuries. They've all they've had to pivot a hundred times, and that's where I see the opener. It's not something for me that I, I want to plan for. Like people are like, "Oh, game three, we're going to do an opener." I just I have a hard time going into a playoff series saying like, "Okay, I'm going to plan for that," because I don't know what's going to happen in game one and two. Like you said, something bad could happen. There could be an a starting pitcher who gives up a ton of runs in the first or second inning, and then we have to empty the sink, uh, you know, to stay in that game or whatever it is. And then how do you plan for an opener in that third game when your, your, your bullpen arms are, are now um, depleted? So it's just something that, it, for me, it's very hard to plan for. You use out of a necessity. And, and now that you've used it so many times in the regular season, you have a comfort level, and that's good because now you're, it's not something brand new for your team or your pitching staff. So I like that aspect of it, but it's just not something I plan for. I just think that anything that Brian Cashman says at this point in the season just, just doesn't matter. Like, as long as he'd rather answer this question than another Stanton question. So it's like, yeah, I'm happy to talk about this. I'll throw whatever out there. We've got 40, you know, days left till the playoffs. Something's going to happen in between that's going to change the plans. And I think he's just been doing it long enough that it's like, yeah, you want to ask a question about the opener? Sure, yeah, maybe we'll do it. You know, might as well say, yeah, maybe we'll do it then. No, we're definitely not going to do it. Well, they're and not going to take hard stances, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. We leave everything open to uh, interpretation and, and possibilities. Like, and and you 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 don't set expectations at that point. Uh, one guy that's not going to be pitching is Mike Ford. Uh, he's probably not going to be on the roster. If he is on the roster, we got bigger issues because that means we don't have either Voit or Encarnacion back, um, and we just need a first baseman. But he came in and pitched and did mop up uh, on Friday night. That was it. Was kind of fun to see if you're if you're. Of the of the type that likes the position player pitching, he used to pitch it at Princeton, but had some good had some good quotes after the game. You know, just talking about it, and he had fun with it. Um, but just seeing seeing guys just go out there and be baseball players and have fun is always great. Like when uh, Vince Velasquez or whatever went and played the outfield for the Phillies and made a diving catch and threw a guy out. Yeah. at the plate, it's like oh, that's great. Seeing Mike Ford go out there, just a fat guy pitching in a blowout game, laughing his ass off, giving up bombs like. I can laugh at that. He's I can a, enjoy that. He's a tank. He's a tank. I saw him uh, like super up close uh, at a at a rehab game, and um, my God, his lower half, man, like, that guy, that guy is built low to the ground. He's thick. He's thick. Yeah, he could, uh, he's he could do some damage. Um, but yeah, no. So I don't want to see him pitching anymore, though. Like that, that's fine. It was fun, but that's uh, that's not one of those. Uh, usually, something bad's happening if a position player is in there throwing uh but the Yankees did come back that was that was one of the disappointments obviously but they came back and they said you know what let's shake it off judge had a bad game uh on Friday night went over five four strikeouts that's when all the narratives started coming up like even more like it really got heavy at that point is he hurt why is he not pulling you know people are constantly talking about this I'm on the side that saying you know judge is not hurt I don't see anything that says he's hurt I'm still seeing him swing hard we're still seeing exit velocity we're still seeing him um you know I'm still seeing him turned on the ball uh, in certain areas where there's no discomfort or anything like that. I think there's just too much of a focus sometimes with him uh, going to right field. Maybe he's got into some bad habits, uh, but it was a bad day for him. So it, you know, stirred more people coming up and talking about him being injured and all these things. I think 
to me at least, he he showed that he wasn't for the rest of the series, diving around, you know, making uh, hitting the ball well, hitting the ball hard, coming up with big base hits. So I I I like where Judge is trending at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's probably I don't know that he's injured, but like he might be hesitant. You know, you, it's one of those injuries that you know, like Aaron Judge can read. I'm sure he Google's himself. I'm sure he's seen everyone say like, "Well, this could be a thing that ends the season." And if he comes back too early and he injures it again, then you know he's out for the rest of the season. And maybe he's a little hesitant on things. Maybe he's trying to do things that he wouldn't normally do in terms of really staying the other way. But I think again, as you know, there's been this building up story about him not pulling the ball. Uh, we saw him pull a double on Sunday. You know, he's you know, and when you're ten and a half games up, I really, I honestly don't care what Aaron Judge does on his own to get himself ready for the playoffs. Like, I trust that he's a professional and he's out there trying to do it. I mean, he's batting 265. He's a career 272 hitter. His numbers, like, aren't really that far off. There is the optical thing that I, I believe in and I know you believe in a little bit where it's like, ah, some things maybe don't look totally right, but he hasn't played, you know, consistently for, for a while because you come back and you get, you know, you get your off days, then you're back in the lineup. He's supposed to get an off day. Gardner's getting thrown out. Now he's back in there. It kind of throws off a rhythm, and I think he's going to take the rest of August and September to just you know find that rhythm and be ready to go because I don't care if he hit a home run yesterday. I care about what he's going to do in October because we're going to be in October. Do you agree that if Judge were hurt right now, uh, that he would not be playing? No, I, yeah, no, I think you said him. And, and, I, I, I think it would make sense too. And and well, so the so the uh, the the comeback to that, which everybody has been saying, is well, he's not telling anybody he's hurt. The Yankees know if a guy is is hurt. They they're especially a guy like Aaron Judge. They're watching everything. They're doing you know last year where they were talking about CSI Bronx, like Brian Cashman and and their training staff is all over this guy. But when you have that big of a body and you're trying to come back from an oblique injury, which will set your timing off, it will, you know, it will make you hesitant. Like, I think that is probably a thing. Um, but that's a, that's one of those mental hurdles that he's coming over. I think he's, he's getting to that point. He's been doing a lot of extra work. He's been getting to this point. <clears throat> I think Aaron Judge is about to go on an absolute tear, absolute tear and get ready. And it's going to come at a beautiful time because it's going to come setting up for the playoffs. I think he's a guy who knows the moment. And he realizes that the moment is coming. Like, I, I think he's he-, he was hesitant for a while and working his way back because he didn't want to miss the World Series this year. Like, this is, there's legitimately, there are only so many windows. And I think as a, a Yankee fan, maybe we have been spoiled because you look at a guy like a Jeter who's in the playoffs pretty much every year for his career, plays in a ton of World Series, that, like, well, that just happens. But for some of these guys, like, Aaron Judge legitimately may never make it to the World Series. You know, so when you have a team that gets that's this close, you want to try to be healthy, you want to be able to contribute. You're the face of baseball, you're the face of Pepsi, you're the face of Adidas. Like there's a lot of stuff going on and he's only so human that I think in the back of his head he was just hesitating. So one of the big things obviously on Friday when uh, we saw Judge had a good game, the the biggest the biggest thing about that Friday night game, it was a fun game to watch. We wanted to see how the Yankees uh, came back after the, the shellacking the night before um, and Tanaka on the mound. I think everybody was looking for kind of a backup performance to when Tanaka 
uh, pitched his last really good game against the Blue Jays, which, you know, whether you're looking at their re- their um, their lineup or not, like or their uh, record, don't look at their record. Look at what that lineup is doing recently. The, it's a young lineup that's been tearing the ball off. Like, that's a good lineup. I'm glad. Going to be a problem. Going to be, be a problem. No doubt. So the, the fact that uh, Tanaka got through that lineup well and then came on Friday night and goes six and a third, lets two solo shots up. Uh, which again, we're wall scrapers. We know how Yankee Stadium takes him and gives them away. Um, so, good, really good start, really good start against a very good team uh, that that you know went off the night before. But that's a guy that obviously everybody's looking for because we we need like that safety blanket. The Yankees need that safety blanket on the pitching side. Uh, Paxton hasn't, while he's looked better, he's not been that guy. Tanaka's the guy. Tanaka's the guy that everybody needs to be the uh, the steady hand because he's probably getting the ball in game one, you know, wherever we are in the playoffs. Would you start him game one? Yes. See, I think I'd start Domingo game one. But just because I don't trust anyone else to start a game two if we lose game one. Yeah, see, I'm not – I think that – Like, CeCe's not that guy anymore. Oh, no, like, no, I no, don't. No. CeCe may not be on the roster. I don't think he should be. And I think – I think deep down he knows he shouldn't be, and I don't think he'd be bothered by it. Yeah, I mean, probably. There's, I think there's an element of that. He, he, he's not stupid. He understands what's happening. Um, no, but I, I, you know, when you look at what Tanaka's done in the postseason, like to me, that's definitely the guy to get one. Uh, and, then, and then kind of from there, you, you, you see what happens. But um, you need him to, to, to do well. He, he, uh, he looked really good. The, he's getting a lot more, he was getting a lot more ground balls. The slider was good. We got a lot of downward action on that as well. I think we're seeing more downward action on his slider and uh, he's getting more ground balls, not getting the swings and misses and the strikeouts that we're used to seeing Tanaka, but that's fine because he's being efficient with the ground balls. And to me, if you can get ground balls over a strikeout, that's almost better uh, if you can do that on a regular basis because you're throwing less pitches. One pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Tanaka has shown in an era that where you see a lot of, like, you see the opener, you see guys, you know, you see weird, weird pitching. There's not, like, the aces that we would see where it was like, Roger Clemens is going to go out there and grind. Tanaka is kind of old school in that, in that whether he has it or he doesn't have it, he's going out there and he's going to fight and he's going to try to find a way to get it done. So we saw that they got the, they got the win, got, uh, got, enough, uh, got enough runs off of Savale, Who's you know we talked about this uh, the last episode when Andrew, um, you know had the uh, had the Indians beat writer on basically taking the the page of Corey Kluber like trying to be that guy, and you know has done a really good job come up obviously the Indians knew what they were getting themselves into when they traded Bauer they have some really good young starting pitching, um, and and they're going to be this is this is going to be a very good team going into the playoffs that has good arms good offense uh, that that's rolling so they are I, I think trending on the up. Uh, going into Saturday, you're looking at them winning. Judge, of course, gets gets sat after uh, playing a good game. Uh, everybody rolls their eyes at that one, but needed the day off, right? Like we're trying to get this guy into into playoffs. Nineteen shape. games in seventeen days, guys need days. I off got no problems with it. Yeah. Yep. Paxton's pitching. Uh, of course, everybody's circling that first inning. No, he gives up two runs, uh, throws thirty pitches. You know, so now here comes the opener conversation again. Like, what are we doing with Paxton? How are we going to get him through the first inning? All these things. It's frustrating when you see what Paxton does because the majority of the times he's buckled down after the first. In this particular case, he pitched well for the for you know the majority of it, but also gave up some more runs. Um, so it wasn't your like oh just the first inning bounce back wasn't that start like wasn't really a great start for him. I think 
I think you got to try the opener for him. I, I know like when you're up double digits in the division and you're trying to figure out the playoffs, I say just do it for a game. Like do it for one start. Maybe it's not his next start. Maybe it's the one after that. Just say, hey, we just want to try this thing. See how you mentally like there's a huge mental aspect to this game. See, like, does he go out there and it's the second inning, still his first inning, and we're just like, all right, well, then there's clearly something wrong when you first come into the game. So whether it's physical or mental, we can then diagnose it. Or is it literally just the first inning right now that you're struggling with? And if that's what it is and you have to not pitch a first inning and we have to do that and we get to win a World Series, like, we'll figure out in the offseason what's wrong with your first inning. Right now, if we can get through it without giving up two runs, it puts us in a better position. I, I'm curious to try it just because we have the flexibility to. Here's the thing. If I'm trying to fix something, I just want to fix his first inning. I just want to fix his mentality going out there and, and, and getting over whatever this mental thing is. I don't who's want to fix that. I don't want to add another potential problem with now he's got to come in in the second inning and start to get what, – what are we doing here? What, this guy's a starting pitcher. He's probably our best opportunity for a dominant number three guy or, you know, with the potential of everybody thinks could be a number one guy, number two guy. Like the guy's got all the potential in the world. Why, why are we going to coddle to his side and, and go with this, you know, the, the easy little easy? It's not even an easy. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's catering to everything else and trying to, an opener. The, the opener thing to me in this situation, like, is not an answer. It's we just got to figure it out. He's got to figure well, it out. Who's going to figure it out? Larry Rothschild's not going to figure it out. He's got he to. He hasn't figured out anything. He's figured out nothing all season. Unless Carlos Beltran's going to figure it out Fine. for him. Fine. Bring but in like, Beltran. I got to assume that, they've, that they're looking at this stuff. That they've... I mean, otherwise, what else is the staff doing? What are all the nerds doing? Like, they're supposed to be looking at this stuff and trying to figure it out, and they haven't figured it out yet. So just going out there and doing the same thing again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Whereas I think a big part of it is we were one game away from the world series in 2017 with the team that we have and this roster. If you told me all the injuries and all, all that stuff that's happened throughout the year that we'd be where we are right now, I'd never believe it. Right. And so like we're right there again. And to me, I don't give a shit how we get to the Canyon of heroes we just need to get 27 outs and one more run than the other guys. And I don't care how it looks to get there because we have the ability to get there right now. And who knows? It, it may be like, all right, well, we stick to our guns with this and then it doesn't work, you know, in these playoffs. Then we've got a lot of decisions to make. There's a lot of pressure um, on the more pressure on these guys coming back next year. The guys who do get to come back and, who knows what injuries are going to happen next year? Aaron Judge could get hit by a bus. Like, you have no idea. So I just kind of see, like, hey, we're right there. At least Paxton's healthy-ish, we think. You know, his knee I mean, he's hasn't healthy. come up. His yeah. knee hasn't come up. So, like, maybe it's a mental thing. Try it once, then go out there and try it again. Oh, it's a, a bunch of, it's a mental thing. Yeah, so try it once, see how it works, and then go back to a regular thing. Like, experiment because we can experiment especially when we're coming up on having 40-man rosters where it's like, I don't know, throw a bunch of young arms in the bullpen and, and figure it out for a game. All right, so the offense is not a problem. That, that's not something we have to worry about no. um, because they just continue to rake uh, Glaber two more home runs. The guy w with just an unbelievable homestand 
He's uh, he's he's basically emptying the bank at Bronx Pinstripes because T-shirt time is happening at a historic level. The guy is just uh, it seems like every day is hitting two or three home runs. Let but, me ask you a question about that. Yeah. When you why did you pick him? <clears throat> why did I pick? So every year I uh, I, I try to pick somebody different. I think Didi we had two years. Um, just for whatever reason, he he was there for two years. I just try to mix it up. I try to uh, get a guy like I know he's going to hit home runs, but probably like not going to be like the judge. It's just very obvious, um, and potentially he's going to hit sixty. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but so I think you'd give away sixty shirts, but maybe you'd give away twenty. Yeah, but maybe it, 20. It, it's also not like I don't want to. I want it to be more of because if we're giving them away for every single judge home run, it's it's you know it's happening literally all the time. So yeah, it's it's that first of all, that's a lot of work like to do that, and and two, it's just you know it becomes almost uh, you know deaf like you just get used to it like that's not fun. So when you have Glaber, he's doing it now at a pace that nobody really expected. Um, it's just more fun, I think. I think you get a little bit more of an anticipation for it. So that's kind of and I like to mix it up. So we'll see. Yeah, what I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going broke thanks to Glaber. Like, no. I think you're too. But yeah, I was just curious, like, how much more, how many more shirts are we giving away than you thought? It might be like 10 extra shirts that we're giving away. Yeah, I mean, I really don't go, it in, go into it with expectations because I thought Glaber was going to be, you know, I, I shoot, if I had a bet with Glaber, I probably would have, I, I probably would have gone all in on 30 with him. So the, uh, but the guys that we pick for t shirt time, hit a lot of home runs. Like that's, that is definitely a thing. So next year we're going to have to project somebody. Uh, maybe it's a campaign. Maybe it'll be DJ LeMahieu. Maybe it'll be DJ LeMahieu and he'll hit 40 possible, <laughs> all possible. But the one thing that has been a problem, uh, the umpires, umpires have been a problem all year long. We've seen it. It's continued to come up uh, every single, it seems like every series there's, there's a tiff with Aaron Boone, the dugout, the Yankees batters and the umpires. And for good reason, the umpire strike zone have been bad. They've been really bad with with uh, guys like Aaron Judge. That low strike, that low outside strike to Judge, has been terrible all year long. It's not a strike, and it's continuing being called. And they're getting sick of it. They're 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 not getting sick of it. They are sick of it. Um, so there's a hole in there. The savages versus the umpires. That's that's basically what this has become. Uh, Brett Gardner has gone absolute lunatic. Uh, has continued the 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 banging against the sea, the roof of the dugout and gets tossed out of the game. We're watching the umpires now inject themselves into these games for reasons that, you know, some people, maybe they agree with, uh, you know, what's happening at this point with where the umpires are on their stands. Most people are not. What do you think about, what's your feeling in general about the, the Yankees versus the umpires at this point? Uh, so I think, I said this on George's Box last week, and it comes out every Wednesday, and you can find it on all uh, major podcast distributors. But, I feel like, have you ever been fired from a job before? Yes. All right. So, you know, when you get like that warning of like, hey, you know, like you're screwing up here and then it just feels like everything else you do is wrong. Like you're just continuing. It gets worse and worse and then you get fired. It feels like that's what the umpires are doing. Like there there's pressure on them to get it right. And now it's gotten such an eye down to the most like minuscule thing. Like it used to be. All right, like, you know, on tag plays, like, did we get that right? Fair and foul ball, home runs, where it's like maybe that comes up once, twice a game, but now it's down to we are looking at, like, as microscopic as possible, balls and strikes. It's the toughest thing that they have to do, but you have to do it because these guys are getting paid, like, $600,000 a year to do their job, 
And some of them aren't even doing it at like 85% efficiency. So they, they have to find a better way. I think, I don't know that robo umps are the answer because I think the current system with like an AirPod in your ear and it says what it is, but then you can also override it. You're not gonna, those umpires aren't gonna override something because they're relying on what's in their ear. It makes it tough to pay attention. Um, but there has to be some kind of, and I think it should be more public of, here is how we are looking at uh, like disciplining umpires, making them better. Here's the programs we're putting in place. I think that would give a lot back to the fans because at the end of the day, yeah, the, the teams, you know, they're upset, but fans are like, this is, I'm not watching like what I've paid to watch because it, it's as close to. Well, you're getting guys thrown out early in the game too. I mean, the guys yeah. that guys that you go to pay and see play the game are getting thrown out. But I think, but Gardner, Gardner's got to stop. Gardner has a target on his back and he's the, the bat banging and uh, you know, kind of being the first guy out there to argue with the umpires is now hit a point where it hurts the team because Judge is supposed to get a day off, and now he's got to go in and play, and that's happening kind of often. And then Boone's going out there to get ejected too because he's constantly defending uh, Gardner. And I like the bat banging at first. I like it. You're trying to prove a point. But now the league has said, like, you know, pretty much you do this, you're going to get thrown out. I think just stand in front of his locker with a printout of the strike zone and all the missed pitches and say, Phil Cuzzy or whoever it is, they get, this guy stinks. Could you imagine being this bad at your job and still getting paid? And then they'll find him $25,000. Let the boys throw in the money on it. But now they've at least started a narrative in a public way. I don't believe you can be suspended for showing evidence that we can all see. I think that has more of an impact. Um, now, it may make a bigger target on his back the rest of the season. That's it, yeah. But, but, like, but then he could just go out there and do it again and say, like, look, this is clearly against me. But, but it, you know, so... I kind of, I kind of, I'm trying. I've been trying to think of like an analogy for this that 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 makes some sense. And the I, one of the one of the best things I could think of was you work in an office, you have a, a, a corporate cafeteria, and the food sucks. Like the the person who's running the food, it, it's not good, and it's not good every day, and the service isn't good. And at cert, at at, a, at some point, you, you gotta like say something, right? Like it's it's that bad. I gotta eat here. I got no other options. Our campus is way away from any other food options. Like this is where I am. And at some point, if you start complaining too much about that food, you're the food's gonna get worse. Or yeah, you you don't know what's gonna be in your food. There could be something going on with your food at that point. That's where they are with the umpires. Like you can't get away from that. The umpires are gonna be there every single day. So. I, to me, the point has been made, but there's a line where you have to just just stop and just like accept what's going to happen. You've made your point. You've spoken out. Now what? And and that that's to me where we are at this point because now we're like, okay, every day are we going to chirp and then get thrown out? Like it's getting old. It's it's like I, I get it. The strike zone sucks. We all know that. The the umpires know that we think that. You know, move forward. That that's that's the only thing that can happen because what's happening on a daily bit like it's not going to get any better. Or let Boone handle it. 
I just like I don't want to see players get ejected. But even Boone handling it, like to me, like that's the umpires are looking for that now. It's very clear that they're banded together and they're looking for anything and everything, and and they're gonna have a quick trigger and they're going to do that. So, like to me, it's it, it does become detrimental to the team at some point, and I think we're we're damn close to that point, if not there. I. Just, I mean, yeah, you don't want to see uh, the opportunity to screw us in a playoff game come up. But I think it is, it's a bigger issue that as a whole, like just looking outside the Yankees world, that like MLB needs to do something because... There's no accountability system. Yeah. There's well, there no is the, tra- the track man system. There's an accountability system for like balls and strikes for the umpires. They get graded. That's a thing. But, but for egregious calls, like w- what are we doing for that? What are we doing about that guy? Are, are there fines? Uh, do they have to publicly talk to the to the media? Like, what has about... anyone been fired? Has anyone been fired? There's... Like that. My thing is, I, I think I, I again I said this on George's podcast that you can listen to on Wednesdays that you know it ten percent ten percent you need to get rid of ten percent of a company like every year in order to like keep a good cycle going. I think there are you know a hundred percent of your staff at any company is not doing a great job. So. If you look at like 10%, like there should be some kind of system where you weren't good at your job, so you lost your job. I think that's fair. And I understand unions can protect that and all this stuff. But like at a certain point, if you do not do your job, and we have all this evidence that do it, that shows that older, pl- older umpires are having a hard time making these calls. Maybe they either shouldn't be behind the plate or they have to take an eye exam or whatever it is. We make old people retake their driving test why shouldn't they retake their balls and strikes test well i mean i think to some extent if they're if they're having a, a problem with uh, like a physical I, I imagine these guys go through physicals to to make sure that they're there's no they're way healthy. joe west passes physical well i mean there's what are no the criteria way. for a physical i mean that if, if joe west could still have 2020 vision especially if it's correctable because i guarantee if you have correctable vision then you're okay but well, like running down the first becomes, baseline, they're not, they're, not, they're not putting them through 40 times. But I think if you just go, oh, well, it's 20-20 vision off like an eye test versus like here, you've clearly missed 12% of your calls. And like, I read that whole like big umpire study that like resurfaced a couple weeks ago. And there are definitive numbers that show that the older umpires are missing calls. And I don't know if it's ageism or whatever, but like there's, there's stats. We're not just saying... Hey, when you turn 50, you can't do this job anymore. It's just like, hey, when you're missing 12% of calls, like you can't do this job anymore. You know, as you get older, things start going downhill. It's just, you know, that's, that's, that's life. Baby. But that's, that's why they make $600,000 a right. year. Do they so really, do they, they make, I didn't know they made 600 grand. Is that the, I don't know the exact number. They make at least the league minimum because they have to make enough money that they wouldn't take bribes. It was like a big thing after Ball Four came out. Huh. Interesting. They, um, but yeah, it's a, it's one of those, it's one of those. Uh, I mean, next year I think we're going to see some different stuff. I think next year when they, I think it's next year when they implement uh, the Hawkeye technology too. Like the technology is there for Robo Empires to happen. Like that's a thing. Like it's, it's definitely there. They could do it. If you watch, if you're, if you're a tennis fan or watch tennis at all, see any of the majors, like Hawkeye technology can see exactly where the ball is at any given time. So they're going to have, you know, whatever they need to for um, the, the ballparks to be hooked up for, for Hawkeye and, and to have the technology to see practically everything. The, you're going to see analytics ramp up to another level, I think, when, you start, when they start adding this stuff to it. So the ability to tell stri- balls and strikes by, um, 
you know, a wireless, you know, uh, vis- visible, not visible uh, system is, is there. It's there. So the umpires know that. And whether it's, you know, a matter of just tightening up their accountability and using this as a backup or at some point transitioning to balls and strikes being called by a robot. And I think the other thing is, I forget who the crew chief is for, for this crew, but he had to give, you know, the crew chief has to be somewhat available after. And they asked specific questions about the ejections and all this stuff. You know, the biggest thing that happened in the game. And he just go, oh, well, I didn't make the call, so I don't know. There's four of you, and you're in a little room. Hey, why'd you throw him out? Okay, great. Like, there's some kind of posing. He should have to answer that question. Even if it's not Phil Cuzzy who's available, like, his boss should be able to say, yeah, no, Phil saw him do that. He decided it was enough, so he's ejected. Like, stand behind what you did because you're ta- there's 50,000 people who paid to see Brett Gardner play and not to see Phil Cuzzy stand there and sweat like a pig behind first base. It's interesting because Phil Cuzzy, after that game, you're looking at that and you see CeCe get, get all agitated and standing up on the, uh, you know, the top step and you see his arms flailing and, and gets thrown out, of the, uh, thrown out of the game even though he wasn't an actual uh, a player on the team at that point. He wasn't even active. Gets tossed, comes back for Sunday, returns from the IL, and oh, who's behind the plate? Phil Cuzzy, behind the plate. Kind of beautiful as the script would, would allow for um for for him to get out there and you could see him visibly getting frustrated i was i was damn surprised when you when you're seeing him like you expect him to get tossed out of that game it's almost just too perfect uh but he wasn't good the pitching staff wasn't good on sunday everybody who came in uh nestor cortez wasn't good sessa wasn't good too many walks home runs leaving the park uh clevenger struck out 10 through 5 so yankees walk away with a split but again not happy with the strike zone again and, and, and we're, we're chirping, we're getting this again. And to me, that, that was when it was like on Sunday, I'm looking at that, I'm like, all right, you know what? Like, let's, let's just play baseball. Like, I'm sick of this now. It's, it's, to me, it's getting old as a fan watching it and seeing it every single time. I got it. Yeah, and you can't be mad at the TV every game. And these guys, like, don't get me wrong. They're, these guys are going to miss calls. Like, they're going to miss balls and strikes. And I'm fine with that because I like that human element of baseball. I like the idea that... If a pitcher can get the corner and really paint a corner and that strike two, that if he can get you another quarter inch and now it's off the plate, that he still gets that strike three. Like, I love the beauty of setting up batters and manipulating umpires the way pitchers have done it for forever. But I I think you're right. At a certain point, you do have to kind of almost like reset because like how many days in a row are we going to argue a pitch, you know, like just off the plate? Because it takes away... You become the boy who cried wolf because when there is that really egregious call, we're not going to get it. You're not going to get hurt. Sympathy. Nobody's. Yeah. yeah nobody's. You're, you're talking on, uh, on deaf ears at that point. That's exactly it. So, you do have to pick and choose battles at some point, I think. And, and now is the time where they need to kind of just like lay back off of this whole thing and and let it let it kind of sit for a little bit and, and stir. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting uh, on Twitter, I saw a uh, Lindsey Adler writes for The Athletic, was uh, tweeting about the strike zone, the, the actual visible box that you see on ESPN. The Yes Network has it. That was almost like when that thing started coming out and, and it became a staple on the broadcast, that gave every single fan an opportunity to play umpire with definitive proof, right? Because the box is the strike zone. That's, that's what everybody, if, if you're looking at this as a casual fan, you see that, you're like, that's not a strike. First of all, those boxes are not the most accurate thing in the world. Uh, but they're giving now 
a line, a physical line, so that you could see and make a judgment based off of whatever that, that line is, uh, that it's a strike and that guy's wrong because that's where the pitch is. And I saw it with my own two eyes. And it's giving everybody uh, an opportunity to, to bitch and complain about the strike zone, even though those boxes are not the most accurate things. I think that's one of the big, like, they need to get rid of those. Because it will make the game, it will make the game more enjoyable. I think as a fan too, because you're not so concentrated on the balls and strikes every single time and seeing that visible, you know, that box and seeing the the little ball outside the zone. It, it's 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 almost a distraction for the fan too. I think like I'm a big like spirit of the rule guy, and so like putting that in place, the spirit of putting that in place was not everyone at home getting yellow. It was just to try to give you like more to go off of, and I think that that box doesn't get. Like I said, a pitcher manipulating an umpire to get that other quarter inch. And, you know, really the, the part of the beauty of baseball, the same way I think like when Talkman overslid the base and got tagged out, he went off the base, he was out. But when it's like a guy standing on the base and is like shifting his weight and right. it's like, you know, a piece of paper could just barely get under yes. and he's out, like that's not the spirit of that rule. Right. No, I totally agree with that. And, and they... You know that's that's been trying to been overblown. Um, I totally agree. The the thing uh, also about when you're looking at the uh, the strike zone is you know these guys you you talk about setting up pitches, but you know umpires have different strike zones sometimes, and I know it should be uniform, but on a given day, if a guy is seeing uh, a ball on the outside, you know, uh, an inch off of the plate, and he's consistently calling that, I I would I would venture to say that both uh, both managers would be totally fine with that if that guy was consistently calling the pitch off the plate for a strike for both sides they would have no problem with it because that is a fluid situation sometimes that happens human nature guys will will see certain things maybe that not as they truly are in real life but they see that as as being true in their own eyes so if you're calling a pitch that's a, a you know a half inch an inch off the plate and you're calling it all game or you're calling a high strike all game fine may not be in the box but it's been a strike all day. I don't think anybody on the uh, on the team would have a problem with that if they know what their strike zone is. That's to me yeah. like expectations of the strike zone on a given day is important. Yeah, because I think then you also know as a manager and as a pitching coach, like based on where this umpire strike zone is, like that's clearly not fitting, you know, what CC's doing today or whoever's on the mound. And that I think can factor into decisions too, in terms of how you manage your bullpen. Is it a high strike zone? Is it a low strike zone? Is the inside, outside, who pitches best to that? It's another part of the game, the same way as having the scouting report on the opposing team and knowing you know, how the shadows go in a field, especially you get in these 4 o'clock playoff games. I think it's all part of it. I think it's the stuff that makes baseball beautiful. Yeah. Um, Herman's pitching, uh, pitching limits, his innings limits, pitch count, whatever you want to call it. This is something that Cashman has been uh, – people have been peppering him with questions about it and asking him, like, what's the plan here? They haven't really come out and set a plan in the past this this uh, this weekend when they were talking to him, talking about, you know, hey, there's no restrictions in October. And to me, like, people are saying, oh, that there's there's no pitch limits, there's no inning limit, because they're saying that. Well, that that's actually, I, I, I thought I found that, that funny because, yeah, when you get to October, there's no limits, but setting up to October is really what we're all concerned about, isn't it? Like, I, I almost think he didn't answer the question with answering, with giving them some other answer, and people ran with that. Like you said, who's believing anything that Cash would saying at this point? Because probably not speaking the truth um, to and protect his own guys. I no, he doesn't. He never has to. Does it owe anything to us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He postures for a reason. There's a reason this guy is good. He, he's strategic about what he says. 
but they do they don't anticipate needing to place a, like a hard cap on him um, because of the injury stint uh, where he was three weeks on the list. They they kind of think that that slowed everything down enough where they'll be good. Uh, a slight correction to what we've been talking about. Uh, we said that his innings uh, high was in 2014, 123.1. There we were mistaken. Someone called us out on this, which I appreciate. If we ever are wrong about a stat, which we probably will be, call us out. Uh, we got no problem with that. Uh, 123.2. So 0.1 of one more third of an inning in 2017. Not that that's a, uh, a big discrepancy, but the fact that it came in 2017 and not 14 is a big deal. So he's got some more, more wear on that a little bit more recently. Um, but I, I mean, bl- I blame, I blame Andrew hundred percent on that. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. With, um, you know, when you've got a guy who is leads the league in wins and I know some people are like, really, you care about wins. I kind of do because you put your team in a position to win. I mean, I like seeing uh, it. I like yeah. seeing it. Yeah, it's a sexy number. Um, and he's one good start away from being at like his max. It's late August. You skip him a start here and there. We're not necessarily worried about getting him 20 wins. If he gets 20 wins, that's great. If he ends up pulling a Chinmin Wang and getting to 19, who cares? But... Let's I not pull a Jim and Wong and, and, and getting injured, though. Let's, let's yeah. stay on that side of it. Yeah, let's not get any at-bats in National League parks. Right. But he, like, you just, again, we're just trying to get to the playoffs and find 27 outs. That, that's the main thing. Let's just find these 27 outs. And honestly, and I don't want to sound heartless, but I've said it before, if we win a World Series this year and Domingo Herman's arm falls off next year and his career is railroaded, as a fan, I don't care. <laughs> I know. don't. No, I mean, it's, I get it. You want the championship. You can just go balls out until you, I need you get it. it. I need it. Yeah. The, um, you just got me, you got me, uh, you got me flustered about something that I, I, I totally forgot about. The fact that we're going to the West Coast, playing the Dodgers, we're going to have pitchers hitting and running. I forgot about that. Yeah. It wasn't in my brain, but now it is. Now it's definitely entrenched in there. And uh, it seems like we, ju- we just can't, we can't, we can't have one of those dumb injuries like that. Um, and just the way that the season's going with these injuries, man, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. We need to be extra careful. Like, don't swing the bat. I, I, I don't want any pitcher swinging the bat. Go just up there. Take take take, take three strikes. Pitches. Yeah. That's it. Don't, don't be a hero. It's kind of this weird situation when you talk about... CC could swing l- the bat. Like, World Series home field advantage could, like, really come into play. It this. will come into play. It very well could, yeah. But at the same time, it's like... Because to a certain extent, I'm like, all right, so they're going to play Dodgers. There was like World Series preview. And I don't think an interleague series has happened that then went on to be the World Series. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's ever happened before. You're putting that out into the, into the universe. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Well, someone I'll, will correct we'll, it. And we'll I don't go, have we'll to, say it's true. I don't have to answer to that next show because Andrew right. will be back. No, I kind of I was looking a little bit yesterday, and I don't think I've seen it happen. Um so it's kind of like that interesting, like, you know, you always hear this could be a World Series preview or this could be a Super Bowl preview. You hear it in every sport. You hear it in the NBA all the time um, where it's like in a month, like these are going to be different teams. Like each yeah. team is probably going to have a guy on their roster who, you know, is just really fast. You know, every team that gets a World Series has a guy who's just really fast who played in the minor leagues all year. Or there's, you know, the Yankees, you know, everyone talks about the injury reports. No one's really talking about Ben Heller. Ben Heller's in AAA, throws 100 miles an hour coming back from Tommy John surgery. How many guys have we seen show up for a team in August, September, and then 
all of a sudden they throw 100 miles an hour in the playoffs and like they're totally shutting us down. We've seen it happen us against Detroit in the past. We've run into teams who've done that. So like this isn't a World Series preview, but there's just so much potential for injury with these guys on the bases. <laughs> it's true. Well, and they're they're all just they're not they're not built for that, right? Like they're they're professional athletes, but you know I, I kind of put some asterisks on that. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're professional athletes with their arms. Like their arms are professional athletes. That that's that's the 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 part of them that is uh, that is that is built and durable and and you know seasoned and ready to go. The legs running eh, not so much. Um, you talked about injuries. Let's uh, let's kind of run down uh, before we get into some mailbags. Just a little bit of updates on on who's coming back, what they're doing, and all that. Luke Voigt opted. They they said, "Hey, we're not doing surgery." I think if they did do surgery, he would have been out for the season. So they're like, "Let's just try to get back." And if you can get back, great. If not, you know, that would have been surgery anyway. So he's ramping back up. We're seeing him running the bases, uh, doing all these things. So they're uh, looking to get back him uh, back in September at some point. He'll do some rehab in uh, Scranton Encarnacion again sometimes in sometime in mid September. That's going to be just like a time with wait, and, and hopefully this thing heals enough where he can get back. Severino and Batantis, the two sexy updates that we have. These guys are throwing off mounds. They're throwing, uh, Severino's been throwing to uh, live batters. We got footage of it. It wasn't blurry this time, like, a, you know, the, the, the shooter on the grassy knoll. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, you know, now we're, we're almost, we're expecting, we're seeing it, these guys coming back. Batantis, they're both saying all the right things, that they're, uh, that they're feeling good. Um, and obviously, those are two huge updates that, that we need to just continue to be progressing on the, the right way. Severino and I imagine Batantis, who's not too far behind him, going back down to Tampa. Um, we'll, we'll probably see some rehab at some point in the near future. Um, so that's a really, really huge deal. Uh, another on the pitching side, Montgomery. Recently through a sim game, two innings. I know a lot of people aren't expecting him to be any kind of a contributor, but I mean, the guy's already throwing sim games, 35 pitches. If they see him pitching well, could be an option. Not not somebody you want to just scratch off as not an option. Um, it's th- a fresh-ish arm. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a, it's a possibility. It's a, let's just see how it happens. No one's expecting him, but let's see what happens. We need starting pitching. We keep trading for minor leaguers, bringing them up, and then cutting them. Right. I'd rather have Jordan Montgomery than most of those. Exactly. Guys. Yeah. So if he if he could contribute in any meaningful way, then then outstanding. If not, you know, we didn't expect it anyway. Hicks, we're still kind of waiting on him. Uh, you know, forearm, elbow. I think they're just waiting on everything to settle down, and and then they'll ramp it up at some point, and hopefully everything works out well. And then Stanton, who the hell knows? Nobody understands what's going on with him. He talks. It's weird. There's a. He says he's going to be ready when he's ready. You know, who knows? He's going to go to AAA, join the Scranton Rail Riders, who are in first place for their playoff push. He's going to win a AAA championship. He's going to come back in September and win a major league championship. And it's going to be sick. Wow. I, yeah, I did see you picked him as one of your guys that you would come back with. I'm a Stanton guy. Yeah. I, he's Giancarlo Stanton. He's, the, uh, he's an NL MVP. He like I'm sorry. I'll take him over Mike Talkman every day. I mean, yeah. Or Tyler Wade. You don't want Tyler Wade's speed. You just said a speed guy needs to be on the team. I didn't say need. I say they do it a lot. Well, I'd rather the guy who's hit four, 59 home runs if he's healthy. Like, I'm not saying put him out there unhealthy just to have him out there. But if they determine like he's good to go, I don't get any of these people who are like, we've done it without Stanton. We don't need him. That'll show him. No. 27 outs and one more run 
than the other guys, and he gives us the best chance to do that. But JJ, the only two games that the uh, Yankees lost to the Orioles was with their full lineup in there. They were, they were, it wasn't the next man up thing. It was not the next savage up. It was just you know, it was their, it was their A guys, and they lost. So aren't the replacements better? And I get it when we play the Orioles in the playoffs. That'll matter. <laughs> Uh, upcoming, obviously, we've been talking about the Dodgers series, but we got to go to Oakland first. That's that's a huge series, in my opinion. You have a, a hot Oakland team who always trends uh, up towards the end of the season. It seems they did it last year. It seems like they're doing it again. These guys um, are, are tough on the West Coast. Uh, you got the Dodgers series, which is going to get a ton of attention. Like we said, could decide home field advantage in the World Series if everything played out that way. Uh, so having a tiebreaker would be big. That would be a, a big deal here. And then off to... Uh, Seattle to round it out, but West Coast trips are, you know, one of those ones that uh, fans look at. You're like, God damn, I got to be up late. They look at, they're like, you know, they're happy on the way. There are a lot of West Coast guys on this team, originally West Coast guys. So maybe this is, maybe this is different now because they're all going home. They like it. They've got their family there. Yeah. yeah I mean, if I'm being honest, if I catch a combined five innings of this Oakland series live, I'll be shocked. Yeah. Like just staying up. But again, I've, I'm saying that, and then you'll see me at 1.30 in the morning like, tweeting and just, like, angry at myself. But, you know, I think the Dodgers one is the one that we're, you know, very excited about. You know, going to Seattle, they stink. But, again, like, at the end of a road trip like that to the West Coast, you could give up two or three games to a, a bad team late in the season because you're just tired. You just yeah, you can't let your guard down. Similar to what Judge was saying, like, and it's all coming after 19 games in 17 days. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's the end of a very long stretch. Which, which yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Like, how are they going to handle the 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 back end of this stretch? Also being on the West Coast, I know they're doing a lot of player appearances too. Like, that's not something people look at, but they're definitely doing some player appearances like off the field as well. You know, I think probably because a lot of the, uh, the the guys are from that area too, so there's more of a focus out there. Like, there's more of a fan contingent, I think, for some of these guys. Wait, what? Something like, what about. kind of things? I haven't like seen signings that. and just stuff like that when they're out there. I think they're going to take advantage of that. Like, I've seen. I some think, of the, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think when you look at it, you even got guys like Judge only make like six hundred grand a year. Like, you got to yeah. make that money while you can. No, absolutely, absolutely. You so, know, ho- hometown boy. That's right. Uh, before we get into mailbags. Uh, guys, if you listen to the show, you like it, go to iTunes, go to the, uh, the Apple podcast, give us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, you know, we appreciate it. It's the number one thing you can do to support us besides listening to show, telling your friends where to find it and actually taking their phone, scrolling to our show in the, in the Apple podcast app, hitting that subscribe button so that they get it and don't need to be reminded. That's a great thing. But also if you have not, if you have not given us a five-star rating and review, what are we doing here? Please go and uh, give us a review so that we can hear you. You can make fun of Andrew as much. Please, actually, make fun of Andrew. Go on there and tell him how dumb he is for not thinking that DJ LeMayhew is going to hit 20 home runs and that the Yankees cannot beat the Orioles 17 times. What kind of a fan would possibly go against that? He doesn't like guys, doesn't like kids with freckles, doesn't like freckled-faced kids. I don't know if, JJ, if you knew that. DJ LeMayhew falls into that category. Doesn't like short people. Which, that's just wrong to me. He's not like, I mean, I'm uncomfortable around them, but he's not like shockingly tall. Uh, it's, it all started with Ronald Torres. Like there was a weird, uncomfortable thing. Like he really, he really was, didn't support the whole, the whole toe thing. Like really just wasn't on board. And I, it stemmed he down. he sleeps to, in a Nomar Garcia Parra jersey. Ooh, 
tough, man. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> they had a, they had a little person in that in that dugout for or the in the in the clubhouse for a while with Pedro's Pedro's guy. Uh, but yeah, go on there, give us a five star rating and review, please. And uh, you know that we absolutely appreciate it. All right, mailbags. This is from uh, WB, who's one of the moderators actually in our Facebook group. He said, did the kid umpire yesterday just make robo-umpires more likely? The the league and umpires obviously hate the Savages in the Box episode. And balls and strikes are where almost all arguments are coming from now. Because it's true. They are stemming from those balls and strikes. Um, And this is something they were looking to send a message yesterday. There would be a, a great deal of irony if it contributed to umpires having less power on the field. So, yeah, uh, we talked about this kind of ad nauseum. Maybe like final thoughts are are the umpires putting themselves in a position where robo umpires are are more of a thing? Like, are they doing this? Like, I don't think we're going to see the drastic change of just like, hey, next year's robo umpires or like 2021's robo umpires. Um, Because like you're testing it out in games that really don't matter. Like all this Atlantic League stuff that they're doing, like you're testing it all out, which I I get, but like you're testing out with worse athletes, so I don't think everything just carries over. Um, I think that we're moving way closer to more transparency into how umpires are picked, how they're assigned, how they're disciplined. I just think that that's more information that has to be factored into the fans who are paying money to go see something because, like, you miss how many calls do you miss, and you go, Oh, well, that was a tough one before someone just goes. I don't know, maybe one of these guys is taking money. You know, it's happening in the NBA. It happens in soccer. I'm not saying that it's definitely happening, but like in these documented times where officials were taking money to fix games, they were more correct than some of the umpires were seeing. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting to go there only because of the also the I mean, sports betting Gambling. is becoming is yeah. becoming, you know, legal in a lot more uh, areas of the country now, so you're you're it's more easily accessible. So I mean, it's interesting, and I, I don't necessarily uh, go down that that path, but it's it's definitely something that that will probably come up at some point in the near future, especially because you're seeing all these leagues now make, you know, make their own uh, their own relationships and their own their own deals with with the way that they're going to handle the um, the statistics for the numbers and how they're getting to Vegas and how they're being released and all that stuff. So it's interesting. Uh, to see how that progresses, especially with daily fantasy too. Like, there's a lot of there's money going on that's a, that's that's out there. That's also not directly associated with putting 20 bucks on a game. So, um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, I do think that that because of the technology is so accessible and become more streamlined in all of sports. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, they're just going to start implementing it more anyway. Um, but I, you know, I don't think we're ever getting get. I don't think in the near future we're getting rid of any umpires. Like, I don't think that's going to be a thing. I think there will be human people, human beings on there wearing uh you know little little black hats and and uh black or blue jerseys and 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 making some kind of a call in one way or another also i don't understand why like everything if there's an appeal it goes to new york and it's like you know we gotta get on the headset go to new york like why doesn't every crew just have a fifth guy who's in that like who's just there whether he's sitting in like a little box just off the field and has access to all this stuff, or he's upstairs. Like, why is it going back to New York? Like, just well, have I, I think New York guy. just has. I think New York has more access to just different different looks than they could than they, they could can bring have up that in, in, in stadium. stadium. I they guess. Have that in the stadium. I Make guess that guy, but like, 
make that guy they have a like a part studio the though, crew. you know and like everything in one what's the difference if you're calling what's the difference if you're calling up to a box or you're calling to a place that has more see i, I actually i just who's on the other side uh, who's on the other side in new york we have no idea well, but, but if you say this is the crew so it's phil cuzzy da 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 and the replay guy is this jerk off then yeah. we know which jerk off it was. Okay, fine. So just identify the guy in New York then. Let's just say who that is. I, I would rather the guy have, you know, the uh, all of the technology possible, the maximum technology, uh, you know, rather than you know, kind of setting them up in the state. Because I don't think, what, what's the difference if you're watching a screen in the stadium or in New York? Who gives a shit where you are? Um, but either way, yeah, I, I think it's, it's getting closer. Uh, next one is from Frank Golden. He's in our Facebook group. And this is something we touched on last episode, actually piggybacking off of you guys at George's Box. But he said there are eight guys currently on the injured list. Who do you expect to be on the playoff roster? And who do you expect to be taken off of the 25-man roster to fit these eight guys? Because that's a real deal. Like you're looking at around and you're saying, well, all the guys who have replaced the, uh, the starters have done really well. How are we going to fit all of these people if they become healthy on a playoff roster for, for um, you know, just, just numbers, sheer numbers reasons? Well, so, I think for like Voight and Edwin, you're just getting rid of Mike Ford and Tyler Wade. Those guys are off the roster. These guys are on kind of infield, just trade off. Um, I so on this list with CC, I don't think CC's on the roster. If Sevy and Batantis can both make it back and be on this roster, like I'd rather have almost all these guys. I mean, you get maybe Sessa off the roster, uh, like Sessa and Cortez are definitely not on the roster yeah they're not on the roster so you you get but you're also going to be putting in. you're going to be putting some starters in there as well in the in the uh in the in the in the bullpen so they're kind of taking up two two spots which is you know two for one on a 25 yeah. man roster which is good so you can have a little bit more of a um flexibility but i would you rather have cc or holder i mean because like i don't need cc in the bullpen cc's no help in the bullpen even if he can come into a game i'd rather cc in the dugout not on the roster firing the team up yeah, there's an intrinsic, there's a value there for him to be like that guy, that cheerleader that's almost more important in the dugout, right? Because you can't give CeCe, I don't care if we're up 3 nothing in the World Series and half the other team has the flu. Yeah. You don't put CeCe on the mound to start a game. The thing with like, CeCe not too. We've seen. Well, and also like the way he's pitching now, like the, for, for him to have a good start. He can't throw the ball over the plate. He's gonna walk guys like that. That's that's his. Re- that's part of his recipe to a good start. Actually, is is walking some guys. And in the playoffs, when you're putting runners on, bad things can happen. And if you're not perfect on that given day, those walks are gonna turn into runs really fast. So, if you're CC, let me ask you this: If you're CC Sabathia, you've had this great career. It's coming to an end. You've said it's coming to an end. Everyone knows it's coming to an end. Would you rather not be on the roster? But be there. You know, you're a part of You've played a big part in this team. Or would you want to be on the roster, but you're only getting like mop up shit duty? Like you're not starting a game. If we're down four in the eighth inning, you get to go out there just so you pitched in the playoffs. Like which one would you rather have? I think, I'd the, rather... I think the competitor in CC thinks that in a playoff situation, in a high intensity situation, and, and, you know, I do think that he is a little different in that, in that type of scenario. But the competitor in CC thinks that he could go out there and get outs. I, I think in a, he thinks in a short, he can get out. In a short time. But they're not going to put him in in a high leverage situation. You just can't. I know he thinks he can. Everyone thinks they can. Right. It's like Moneyball says, we're all told we can't play the game anymore. Sometimes 18, sometimes 40. But 
Like that's what CeCe's being told. And well, he's they, also he knows it. I mean, he does know it. Yeah, but like I think it's. I mean, I just can't imagine a world where he starts a playoff game for us. And so if you're not going to start and you've been a starter your whole career and we have the bullpen that we have, so like in a high leverage situation, who do you go to CC? you know, who do you go to CC for instead of Zach Britton, Chapman, Batances, Chad Green, Tommy Canely, Adovino? You're never going to go to CC over those guys. So it's kind of pointless unless he wants to just be there. Like he can still wear the uniform. It's just you're not going to get this embarrassing mop-up duty. No, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do that. But yeah, it's going to be tough um, uh, with Encarnacion and Voit. That's going to be to me the, the most interesting thing. If both of those guys are healthy and we see them both healthy, uh, I could definitely see a scenario where they're keeping one on the on the roster just because of they have no other room. And you know who are they picking at that point? Uh, unless one of them can slot in as a DH, and they have, uh, you know, they're they're taking one less pitcher, which I can't see them doing or flexibility in the outfield. If, if, uh, if they need it late, late in the game, I don't know. It'll be very interesting, but I think that first base is going to be one of those places that you can look at because DJ LeMay, who could play first base and, and do it at a high level, probably better than both of them. Um, I know. think Stanton f- factors into that too, because yeah. I said a couple weeks ago before these guys got hurt that the thing with Stanton, I was fine with him taking forever to come back because we don't need D.H. Stanton. We need left fielder. We need everyday left fielder Giancarlo Stanton. We have enough guys who can take D.H. spots and D.H. at bats. We need an outfielder. But now with all three of these guys, it's like, well, if, if the other two aren't, you know, if, you know, Voight and Edwin aren't healthy, Stanton can come back and just D.H. If, if he can only get to that level. I think what everything boils down to is that we're kind of at a wait and see approach because this, this question cannot be answered until we see who's healthy. And until we, until we know who's healthy and who's going right at that time, uh, you know, it's all, it's all speculation in the wind because it doesn't really matter because who, who the hell really knows. Um, all right. That's going to do it for us. As far as mailbags, we're going to get onto our final topic now. And I know JJ's been waiting for this opportunity to get on the show, uh, talk with me because we haven't one, one, he's, he's brought my name up a number of times on, on, on George's box with Andrew as well, filling in. And, uh, and there's been some things. So rather than doing a final topic, uh, like Andrew and I normally do of something off the field, we're going to do a little Festivus, a little Festivus for the rest of us, a little, uh, you know, let's gather around the pole and, uh, you know, air some grievances or, you know, however you want to call it. So JJ, I got, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute. I got some questions. All right. So we'll first, see if I, we'll see if I answer them. So first, all right, let's I joined Bronx Pinstripes at the beginning of the season. It's yeah. now the end of August. Yeah. Uh, what is my, you know, employee review? How am I doing? Oh, wow. Um, you I think you're doing a good job. I think you add a I think you add a different element to Bronx Pinstripes. <laughs> That's a nice um, way of saying barstool. <laughs> no, I mean there's there's definitely but I, I think that I think you I think you know my opinion on Barstool. Like I, I, I have respect for Barstool and what they do because I think they, they do a lot of really good things um, and I think they do things well and I think they're very strategic about how they do things. So, you know, whether I like all of their content or not, like that's kind of besides the point. That doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think, I think they do what they do well and they do it on purpose. So, um, yeah, I, I think that – but I, I do think that you've, you've, you've added like some of uh, – like some of the back end influence on, on, on what they've done in the past and done well. And I think that's been a help. Um, 
you and and you know there's I, so I, I'm giving you a I'm not going to give it a grade but you I think you've been a very welcome addition to the team I've enjoyed having you on oh thanks buddy no problem, um man. so all right if this podcast well your podcast and George's box got into a fight yeah how do you think that goes down physical See? altercation so this is the question that got brought up early yeah it was like week six. Someone just tweeted it at me. Was it? I and thought I, it was even earlier than that. It might have. Like, actually, I remember answering this. It was the first week of April. It might have been like episode two because I was in San Francisco. I remember it was like five in the morning and I was doing the, the show in a hotel. And someone asked, and I said, the thing is, like, I've seen you really drunk and you've got this look in your eye that, like, almost like a punch drunk boxer. Like, I'm not looking to fight. I'm a dad. I've got a career. But, like, if you make me, I've still got one more left in me. <laughs> and you've got dad strength. So I was like, Keith will take him. And then Andrew, I mean, Andrew's Andrew. So obviously, like, that, it's a wrap for him. He's in a body bag. But I'm just curious to see, you know, kind of your opinion on, one, that question and where this whole thing has gone with me and Andrew beefing all year. So I think the fight would be interesting. I think if you're looking at the fight and you're, you're giving, you're putting us in like a, uh, um, you know, on a, on a, what do they call it? The, uh, when you the bouts, when you line them up with the, with the, I can't think of the name of it before the fight and you're, you're like going. Yeah. Like the pre-fight pose. Yeah. 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 Whatever the hell it's called. I forget. I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, if you line us up and people are looking at who's going to win that fight, I think a lot of people in Vegas would probably take, uh, you and Keith and probably the majority of the reason is because Keith is big and swole and like look like he would just beat the shit out of all of us. Although, you know, I've gotten to know Keith over the years. I think he's more of a lover than a fighter. I'm, I don't know what he would be in, in a fight. I don't know where like his, his drive would be if push came to shove. I have to imagine something would turn it on. Um, Andrew keeps talking about that he's got this no quit in him. Like he's got this like this, this like I'm going to just fight until I can't stop anymore. And like that's it. But I'm um, saying I would stop that early. Like that stop would come early. So I think that there's a lot of uh, factors here. Like I think if you got close to Andrew, it would be a very big problem. I think if Andrew could keep some distance and like and work on your stamina, because I think your stamina is probably your biggest weakness. Uh, if he could, if he could work that stamina and keep you going for over 30 seconds, because I think I don't know if you've ever been in a boxing match. We I used have. To do, we used to do um, fight. I'm not. We're not allowed to talk about it, right? I'm not allowed to talk about it. But in college, we did we did fight nights and. It didn't last that long, honestly, because it got a little. Uh, it got out of the out of control at some point. We're like, we that's just need always, to, we need to stop this. That's one of those things when people are like, you're doing, you know, what, you know, frat fight night or whatever, or in high school you're yeah. doing it, and they're like, all right, we'll do minute rounds. And you're like, minute? They do three minutes. I'll oh yeah, do three yeah. minutes, and you get like thirty seconds in, and you're like, oh, it's been an hour. It, you, you feel like you're going to die. And I was smoking cigarettes, drinking, like, you know, you're going into that and like, you're not old, you're young. You feel like you're invincible at that point. Uh, like I, I remember when I did uh, one of them, I drank like a pot of coffee thinking it was going to help me. It was just really dumb stuff. And, and uh, so, yeah, so I think stamina is a real uh, absolute factor uh, because you get tired very fast when you're in, in something like that. So I think that's, uh, if I think on a thinking man side, like we could definitely, uh, we could definitely take it f way further than you think in your head. And then, yeah, I do think that I, I won't, I will not stop. Like when I, when they're, when my back is against the wall at that point, like, yeah, you're going to, 
you're going to get the best out of me. And th- yeah. it'll be, you'd have to knock me out. Yeah, you've got that crazy eye. Um, all right. And then another thing I want to ask, because you're wearing it. Yeah. So on purpose, you, you used to sell. I don't believe it's sold anymore because you have like some weird designer like issue with uh, the shirt. But the Meet Me at the Bat shirt, you tweeted years ago. And I was like, that's a great shirt. Andrew sees that. You saw it too. Andrew sees that and goes, hey, JJ from Barstool, guy with a lot of followers, nice guy, always tweets about free stuff he gets. He never said anything about nice guy or tweets about free stuff, but keep going. But you've seen me tweet about free stuff that I get. If you send me stuff, I'm going to tweet about it. And uh, you knew I was looking for the shirt for free, and you just wouldn't give it to me. Right. Why? Why? <clears throat> All right. So, yeah. This was, I don't even know what year this was. This was, um, so we it had met in like, person in six, 15. Was that 15? No, 16. Th- that was, was 16, yeah. 16. So this was probably 15? Yeah. Early was, 16? Yeah. Somewhere around there. I don't even remember when I when I made this shirt. The reason I haven't put it up there is because sometimes the prints, yeah, I, I have a weird designer thing with it. You're right. I, I hand drew the shirt. It's one of those things, like if it doesn't get printed well, it pisses me off. So yes, that's the reason. Um, but... Okay, so I knew you wanted the shirt. I knew you wanted it for free. Uh, I was at that time like the barstool was like, eh, like I I didn't really know a lot about you guys. You guys, there was a lot of you guys were like obnoxious to me. Like I didn't really look into the, what what it was. I just saw obnoxious, like whatever. I just kind of dismissed it at that point. Um, and uh, and I knew that you knew you thought that you could just ask me for it or just like imply it, and I would give it to you. Yeah, and, th- and that pissed me off. To a point where, not not that it made me mad, it didn't make me mad. Like I didn't really, I didn't really care much about it. Nor did I, nor did I care about selling a whole lot of these shirts. Like to me, that wasn't a motivation um, because I do this for fun. Like this was something that I do as a hobby. Like that was not an intri- a motivation for me. So the fact that so you I would, also didn't know that at the time. I yeah, thought yeah, you like, were just like, like Barcel, We didn't sell a lot of Yankee shirts, so I could promote other Yankee shirts. Like it wasn't a big part of what we were trying to do. Well, I was now, the kid. I was the kid that doesn't like. I, I'm not gonna bow down. Even if you could sell a thousand shirts, and I knew that, like, it, it probably would have been very tough for me to send you the shirt because I knew you impl- I knew you thought that it, you were almost owed the shirt. And to me, I'm like, not <laughs> owed, not no, no, no. no. Owed. Well, yeah, that's kind of where I thought. That's where I, I felt like it was almost like an arrogance, but it wasn't being said. It was almost like an implied arrogance, and I just wasn't gonna like when I see that. Like, you're not getting it from me, and it's the internet, and you know, like. We're we're still at the point where like is our dating sites is it, is it, can you actually like tell people in public that you're on dating sites like meeting people on the internet like it's also a little gray like I don't trust anybody on the internet at that point I definitely didn't trust you I didn't know you I didn't owe you anything not that I didn't I, like you or anything like that I think you did but I gave like a free like I really like this shirt tweet yeah to, and I to said show. thank you I said I appreciate I had a that skin in the game yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think maybe if you had asked for it, like come out and ask, if you had shot me a DM and said, yo, I would love that shirt, I would promote it. If like you had said that, like I would have sent you the shirt. But that never, that conversation never happened. So no, I didn't send you the shirt. So and, when I showed up at the spring training house, first yeah. thing you said to me was, I got something for you. And I right away was like, I know what this is because I knew it was going to be the shirt. When did you stop? How long were you sitting on this shirt? Like, because you don't sell them anymore. So we, we did a, a limited run of these. I have, uh, you know, a, a few extra. So it's a, they're not a lot of them. But it's a, it's a, this is a collector's item. This is, there are not a lot in the world out there right now. And as soon as I started wearing them in like stadiums, we were like, I need that shirt. 
Yeah, I mean, people love the shirt, and and at some point I'll bring it back. But the um, yeah, so I I knew I knew that I was going to give you the shirt, and I knew that as soon as I said that, that you would know because I knew that there was like an unspoken thing that you knew, I knew, and I knew you knew, and that that made me happy. That made me happy inside that you knew that I wasn't going to give you the shirt, <laughs> and and uh, and that that's and that I held out for this long, and that when you became part of Brock's Pitchers, I gave you the shirt. Because I got to know you. I met you in person. Like, I, I liked you. Uh, we, we, you know, I think hit it off the way that, that we can uh, have a mutual respect. And, like, we, we can talk to each other in a, in a, in a way that we're friends. Um, yeah, so I thought you definitely, you should have the shirt. All right. You're a Bronx kid. Like, that, that, that bat probably I, means, I means a little le- bit more to you than some I, other people. I bring legitimacy to this site. <laughs> I waited at that shirt at nineteen or, or at that bat in 1996, before I met the people when I got online, uh, to to get these uh, the playoff tickets that I never ended up getting. So yeah, that 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 meant, that shirt means a lot to me because that bat was actually a, a place that I would go all the time when I was a kid. I lived 20 25 minutes with no traffic from Yankee Stadium, so I was always there. And uh, yeah, the bat was a one of those his, one of those places in my childhood that was important. So, so you. That, that so probably had something get, to do with it. I didn't want to give some douchebag from Barstool the, the shirt as well that I didn't know. So not, you didn't get 1996 tickets. I did not. So I have a, a quick 1996 World Series ticket story. Okay. My grandmother was a florist in New Rochelle. And um, so tickets go on sale and you can like go and wait in line. And my dad is like, well, I'm not going to do that for you. I don't love you that much. <laughs> um, and I was like, no surprise, dad. Trust me, I've been here the whole time. So... Uh, so we're on the phone. You could also call, but it was just like your call, busy signal, call, busy, busy signal, signal yeah. call, busy signal, nonstop redial all day. Um, the whole time my grandmother was trying to call me and getting a busy signal while I was doing it because her florist got a delivery to Joe Torrey's house in Nourishell and wanted me and my dad to do the delivery and couldn't get through to us. And the person who took the delivery ended up getting World Series tickets. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That's a kick in the balls. Yeah. For anyone who uh, is from like the Westchester area, like over by Salesian, Joe Torre used to live. And yeah, I just totally missed out on it in 96. Yeah. I think those are like, I think those are my grievances slash questions. I asked the rest of the staff if they had any and they really didn't have anything to offer. You got any que- anything for me? I mean, honestly, I think I've, uh, I, I know everything that I've, that I've tried. There wasn't really, um, much stuff in the air. Like I, I told you the, the whole, that whole Barstool thing back then, like that's to me, it was, it was, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on over there. I never really took the time to look into it or, or anything like that. Um, I've done that. Like I, Hubs and I uh, talk, I like I, I, we've met, I, I, I think he's a good yeah, dude. Hubs I like a great guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a, I think there was always a, a relationship there. And then, you know, you filled in for, for big times, big moments, like you said, life altering moments for me. Uh, when I, when I had, when Kemp was born, you were you you filled in for me. There was well, I don't remember what the other one was when I was in Taiwan. You've you've done that. So um, there were uh, there there has been a rapport built. I think before you came on, and uh, and yeah, I think it's gotten stronger from there. So so JJ, I think we're in a good place. I think we are. I, I think things are going well. I'm excited to win this World Series. I'm excited. What if it's all right? Let's say the Yankees are in the World Series. They're up three zero. Yeah. And now you wake up three zero, and you're like. I got to go to Andrew's fucking wedding today. <laughs> <laughs> How mad are you at him 
especially if the Yankees don't have home field, so it's a home game. Yeah. So it's not like they're in L.A. and you're like, realistically, am I going to fly to L.A.? I got a wife and a kid. It's but not happening. If it's game four in the Bronx, Yankees have a chance to clinch the World Series and you're in Rhode Island for Andrews. I'm just laughing because it's a real the, possibility. All the things I will tweet at you guys that day from the Bronx. Um, <laughs> like how mad deep down, how mad are you that day? Oh, yeah, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm mad. Um, I'm disappointed, which which cuts deeper, I think, because the anger goes away at some point. Uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a day that he's going to remember for the rest of his life. And, and it's a day for, that he's going to remember for the rest of his life that he missed. It's going to be, it's <laughs> Leanne is probably, probably the number one person that doesn't want that to happen. I'd say is Leanne actually, because now, because then there will always be that cloud, you know, over their, over their wedding. And yeah, it'll never go away. It'll never go away. No, It'll no, always no. be that day will always be the day that they won the World Series and I wasn't there because I had to be in Rhode Island. There'll not Andrew, not Andrew's resentment. wedding. Yeah, yeah, there'll always be some resentment. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be a it'll be a bad day for Andrew, I think, even though he's getting married and it should be the happiest day of his life. We're really happy for him though. We're really happy for him. Leanne's a great girl. He's a you know, he doesn't deserve her. But um no. Uh it or uh I see that. I just called you Andrew. JJ. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for filling in. Uh, I know Andrew appreciates it. Stuck in Chicago. Uh, if you, again, guys, if you don't listen to George's Box, go over there. Check them out every Wednesday. Uh, subscribe to, to their feed and, and listen to uh, JJ and Keith. They do a lot more, I'd say, uh, extracurriculars than we do as far as the get, getting down to the dirty, uh, talking more about MLB and all sorts of other things as well. So uh, it's, it's a, a little nice, more pop culture. A yeah, nice little contrast. It's a little bit this and that. This um, is a very white show, and we have like a more, <laughs> a more urban show. There you go. We're hip. We're hip. We're young. Also, follow me on Twitter, at JJ from the Bronx. I need like 400 people to follow me, so I get back over 30,000 and then lose like a bunch of Red Sox fans who I'm going to piss off over the next month and a half. There you go. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you on Thursday. Good luck with the West Coast trip. Believe it or not, George. Isn't at home to leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. <laughs> What a game. Yankees take another sweet win against the Cleveland Indians. Let's go for that sweep tomorrow. You got Paxton, big people out there. Wasn't one of his best starts, but it's like Coney and all those old vets say, the good pitchers are the ones who find ways to get wins, even when you don't have the best stuff. He fired up after that horrible missed call in the fifth. You got... You got DJ LeMahieu looking. Scotty look good. Hitting number 20. Boom. Boonies fired up. CC the beast. Every, the, the bullpen does their job. Glaber is hot. Everyone did their job. Except the fucking umpire crew. What the shit is? Come on, man. You have one job. Do the job. That's to make the right calls. Horrible. 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 Ben May, Phil Cuzzy, they're making Angel Hernandez look good on a Saturday. Savages in the box. Let's go, boys. Go Yankees.
Guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. <laughs>